Discordant jams with bass and guitar reeling like velocitized speed freaks all over each other's musical perimeters, yet never quite finding sync. Lester Bangs for Rolling Stone in 1970. The album he was reviewing was what many consider the first heavy metal album to ever be released, and the debut self-titled album by Black Sabbath. Though the album was ill-received by critics, it was a commercial success nonetheless. The album, though definitely identifiable as heavy metal, still bears the markers of its roots in blues and rock music. One song in particular bears resemblance to the sonic stylings of the band Cream, with some calling the track the rockest defiling of Cream. A large part of what set Black Sabbath's sound apart from its rock and roll predecessors actually lies in the handicaps of several of the band members. Guitarist Tony Iommi lost the tips of his middle fingers on his fretting hand in an accident at a sheet metal factory when he was 17. To compensate, Iommi made false fingertips from the plastic of a dish detergent bottle and detuned his strings slightly to make it easier to bend them. On top of that, the left-handed guitarist ended up recording the album with a right-handed Gibson that he played upside down due to his fender breaking during the recording session. Adding to Iommi's already heavy sound was Geezer Butler's bass. Back then, the bass player was supposed to do all these melodic runs, but I didn't know how to do that because I'd been a guitarist, so all I did was follow Tony's riff. That made the sound heavier, said Butler. Add in Ozzy Osbourne's vocals and Bill Ward's drums and you've got the recipe for a successful heavy metal track. Perhaps more important than Ward's drumming was his beard, which inspired the title for the track. Butler put periods between the three letters in the title to make it look intriguing, which led to rumors about the supposedly satanic meaning behind the title. Nativity in Black, or Name in Blood, were widely believed to be the actual title. In truth, the name simply referred to the fact that Bill Ward's goatee resembled a pen nib. That's right! We're talking Black Sabbath is NIB on Cover Me. Some people say my love cannot be true. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one has just got to be real. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my feeling co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Yes. How you doing? Um, I, I like that in this intro sequence, the story is that he literally had caps on his hands yeah i don't know and you use the word handicap to describe it it's just i just i don't know that's that, that, that works in my brain yeah you did that on purpose no i wish oh unintentionally that was good though yeah that's uh and just wild i love hearing the uh the sort of like ragtag way people put albums together this one another fun fact about it it was recorded in one day the whole album I haven't listened to the whole album, I'll admit, but this song likes pretty basic in terms of mm-hmm. like structure. It's not like it's got these insane interweaving different sections and parts and, and like you see in like a prog rock thing, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. True. But as a couple of amateurs who have thrown together one track and it took us too fucking long... I, right. I think it's pretty impressive to put together something of quality. Yeah. In, no. I. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to detract from their accomplishment because clearly they've created something special and it's fucking Black Sabbath. Like. Yeah. They're, they're, 
their reputation kind of precedes them, right? But like, um, but I'm not but surprised right, it, it didn't take them feasible. like a month to put this song together. Is all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, it was two days. So like, first day they recorded, second day was like throwing shit together. So they did what's called a like a live recording. So they had Ozzy Osbourne basically in a separate booth from them, right? Singing while they played in a in another room, and but at the same time, which is I I guess not generally how it's done. Yeah, I think a lot of the time you just record everything separately. Um, I know there's this sort of trend of like that we see a lot in, in what is it like scary pockets where they do their recording like that's their like studio live recording or whatever right where yeah. like you set up your mics so that everyone is properly said and then you can do it you can still mix it all and stuff but it, it's like a performance which yeah i don't think is that common it's kind of a, no. a gimmick almost yeah it's probably most common in like really lo-fi recordings you know like your daniel johnston kind of situation yeah, absolutely. Or like a like, lot of like old demos and stuff. Yeah. I assume. I don't know. I would assume. So Alex, let's back it up a bit. What's yeah. your what's your association with Black Sabbath? Not a whole lot. Like heard them on the radio, you know, I know about them. I know some of the like mythology. I knew mm-hmm. about the finger thing with Tony Aomi. Um I'm familiar with Ozzy Osbourne, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I, like I have some like light connections because I occasionally listen to like metal ish music, but it's not really something I seek all that often. But I mean, well, I right, like Jethro what they Tull. what they play. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. I'm honestly probably more familiar with Ozzy as a solo act than Black Sabbath, which is odd, maybe. But you know, like Crazy Train and Mama, mostly I'm Crazy Train. Home. Mama, I'm coming home. Yeah. Um. I think Mr. Crowley's a solo one, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that one's dank. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, obviously, like, Paranoid is something I heard on the radio a lot, and, yeah. like, War Pigs, but that's pretty War much Pigs. it. War Pigs, I mo- know mostly because it was in, like, the, the interstitial music for uh, The Crucible when we performed it when I was in the 11th I grade. I remember that. I had forgotten. No, yeah, I do remember that. But it's like back in, back in the 11th grade? Was that the 11th grade? Yeah, so I've been like 2010. <laughs> ah, classic callback. Um, also, the song Never Say Die, which was one of their like last songs they did. Oh, yeah. Or they, yeah, um, that's the credits music for the video game Brutal Legend. So that's right. I know that song, but that's pretty yeah. much it. And I and I actually know this one. I don't really know why, but it's like, yeah, I guess I'm familiar with the Black Sabbath hits. I didn't know this song. Hmm. I I don't know why. It's just uh, like Sunshine of Your Love, but dipped in heavy metal. Yeah, which also a good song. <laughs> also a great song. Yeah. So, right on. Right on. Um. Yeah, we are covering this because John Bell asked us to cover it. So hopefully we we do what you want us to do here, John. Trying our best. Doing this for you, John. <laughs> Doing this one for you. Um. With that, should we jump right into these lyrics, Alex? Let's talk about some lyrics. Let's talk about some metal poetry. Metal poetry. Now this was the lyrics were written by Geezer Butler. Which I f- I feel like I didn't know who he was, but I feel like I've always known that name. Somehow. Yeah, like it just it's very feels much a, like ethereal. a name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> it's just it's you know one of those names in the business. You're like, ah, oh, Geezer Butler. And you're like, yeah, 
I don't know what the fuck he does or who yeah. he is, but that name has existed since time began. Yeah, the other thing about it is, like, as soon as you hear it once, it's, like, stuck in your brain. Like, you can't forget it. Yeah, because, like, they, they, they named a man Geezer? Geezer <laughs> I'm not even convinced someone did name a man Geezer Butler. He was, he was born so. Terrence. I mean, somebody named him Geezer Butler, whether it is just himself. That's true. That's true. At some point, he was named Geezer. So he wrote these lyrics. And it's very... I mean, I know this is like the early days of heavy metal. I don't even know if the, the term heavy metal existed. Like, I, um, I don't yeah, remember exactly sure. when it came in. But this is... Basically, this is when they were playing it, like, I believe, just like blues rock that is also, like, has a lot of distortion and sustain. Yeah, and like down-tuned a bit. Yeah. Famously, That's, they uh, that is essentially. Yeah, that is essentially this song. There are, I believe, more metal tracks on the original Black Sabbath album. Like, right. I believe Black Sabbath, the title and opening track, is called the first doom metal track, which doom I imagine metal. to sound more metal than bluesy. Yeah, but I think it's all, like, there. there's still a lot of, like, that blues rock influence, I think. Yeah. Kind of throughout, like, especially, like, the riffs and stuff. Yeah. So I like read on Wikipedia that like like our initial heavy metal like this like the first like three Black Sabbath albums are still pretty rooted in like blues and like standard rock hard rock and it right. was when you get to like Judas Priest I think is one of the ones kind of credited with really refining it and sort of removing those roots yeah which is pretty pretty wild yeah I mean you might even say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I might say, oh, yeah. And in fact, that is the first line of the song. Oh, yeah. To bring everyone up to speed. Um, followed by, some people say, my love cannot be true. Please believe me, my love, and I'll show you. I will give you those things you thought unreal. But he says it with better. <laughs> he says that part with like, it, it makes sense with the rhythm. I was kind of doing the rhythm. But it, yeah, it's when reading these lyrics, it's sometimes it seem hard to, fit. to just yeah. straight read them. Um, the sun, the moon, the stars, I'll bear my seal. So pretty straightforward, like rhyming couplets, mm-hmm. like end rhyme, um, which I mean, not that that's uncommon in rock and roll, um, but it's very obviously it, it starts with the concept of, of like love. Um, which is perhaps unbelievable, but he believes in it. There's, there's that introduced. Um, but I also like, I mean, it starts talking about the sun and the moon and the stars and like, that's where you start to get some like kind of arcane imagery, which Mm -hmm. obviously you see a lot in heavy metal nowadays, but it was still kind of being established at the time, um, through lyrics like this. Yeah, it's very interesting that like, like hard rock and heavy metal have these roots and sort of like nerdy shit. Yeah, really. <laughs> Although it is such like a tough guy genre. Yeah, I think so, and and sometimes I wonder because like they ha- there's that's kind of the appearance too. But I feel like a lot of the time, I don't give metal enough credit for not taking itself seriously. Like, the, mm. the self-seriousness is almost, like, part of the joke, I think. Right. And and it's hard for me to convince myself of that. Sometimes that, that does turn me off a bit. It's but I feel all like a lot sort of, of the time, appearance. Yeah, it's, 
Yeah, in the paradox of this song title, right? Right. It's just because it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's a dude's beard, but with fucking three periods. I couldn't think of a name. I couldn't think of a name, so I just had a word as a placeholder, and then I decided to make it look like an acronym because that seemed mysterious. I'm like, okay. And then everyone around it was like, oh man, it's heavy as shit. It means nativity in black because it's Satanism, bro. Yeah, so it, like, it worked. People were trying to figure out what it meant. And it's like, what is it? That there's a Subway sandwich? BMT? Is oh, a BMT? Yeah, the BMT. Like, that? Like, it, like it doesn't mean anything, but... Yeah, but you're always like, what does it mean? And what it really means is big meat train, baby. <laughs> big meat train. Or like DDT, which obviously means... The, the end. end but um you know things that don't really have it's fun uh yeah it's 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 just provocative you know it gets yeah, the people gets going. People going exactly and it's um and it yeah it worked because that was the first thing yeah. i wanted to know is what it meant yeah 100 percent. um right so the second part he, he promises great things things you don't even believe in and then starts to talk about like cosmology so this song kind of starts to go in this it's this profession of love mm-hmm. and then and then starts to get like mysterious yeah so we're giving sort of like uh little clues about who the narrator is in this song we know that like many people do not believe that he is a, an honest lover and then he sort of reveals that he is maybe somebody of great power. You know, he's saying these big cosmic things all bear my seal. And what does that even mean, man? Nobody knows, Alex. What does it mean it's to bear a to seal? Just like it's on there? Yeah, he stamps that shit. Stamps it with wax, but it melts because it's the sun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Then follow me now, and you will not regret leaving the life you led before we met. You are the first to have this love of mine forever with me till the end of time. Again, very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, like, very final and resolute. Like, you're the first and you're the last. Like, you know, like, the beginning, the end. The alpha and the omega. Yeah. Which, again, these very, like, big arcane ideas. Yeah, and it's not, like explicitly biblical but now that i've used biblical language maybe i wonder if it was meant to be that way because there's that kind of stuff going on or yeah. maybe it's just well, supposed to there's like mythological feeling Hmm. i mean we are yeah we're playing like we're gonna reveal the twist yeah that i is know right too but like we are dealing with a biblical character here that so it would not be surprising but let us continue to dance around the topic for yeah. a few more lines that's that's all this podcast is about like the title of the song we're doing is in is in the the description you know when you click the episode you're like oh they're gonna talk about this song and then the whole intro is me being like we're gonna talk like, about a song, what song is it gonna by be? a band you might have heard of them and it's like okay hurry it up <laughs> that's our whole vibe <laughs> yeah this is why i support this song <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so then we get to the cor- what what genius calls the chorus. I would argue that everything after that second oh yeah is part of the chorus because it's repeated. It is repeated, but isn't isn't the chorus repeated as well? Yeah, everything's repeated. Everything's repeated. You know I, I just think that that first part is actually two verses. Yeah, and then the I would third. Agree with that. Yeah, because why not? Like, why do we have to have one double length verse? That is mm-hmm. the first verse. Why can't that be two verses in a row? We that happens. Yeah. We're just doing it, yeah, an AAB. Guys, yeah. 
So yeah, Simple. the chorus is, your love for me has just got to be real. Before you know the way I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel. That part's interesting um, to me because of the next verse more so than anything. The one that we haven't read yet. Mm. Um, because it's kind of saying explicitly, like, you have to love me back for this to happen, mm-hmm. though. Like, you, like, we can't just... Like, obviously, he's already professed his love. But, but like, this can't happen unless there's reciprocity there. Yeah. And it's, it's weird, because he, he says, before you know the way I'm going to feel. But I feel like we already know how he feels. Yeah, he seems to be pretty open about that. So is he telling that person that he already knows that their love for him is real? Maybe. Maybe. Okay, but I feel like we need to read the next... We need to take the next verse into it for that, for any of that to mean anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, The next verse. Um, Oh, yeah. Now I have you with me under my power. Our love grows stronger now with every hour. Look into my eyes. You'll see who I am. And now we have the big reveal. My name is Lucifer. Please take my hand. So it was like (gasps) the devil the whole time. Son of a bitch. Okay. So now we know it's the devil. And he seems to have this person under... It's like the... the What's the word? It's like what Dracula does. The thrall. Mes- mesmerize and thrall, yeah. Yeah, mesmerize them. Yeah. Like, there's... It even has, like, the... Sort of the imagery of, like, the looking into someone's eyes and, like, controlling them that way. So, mm-hmm. he says... So, like you said, is there a certainty in the chorus... Does he already know how they feel because he's controlling them? Or is he not actually controlling them, but he needs someone to be sort of on his side first? Because that would actually be consistent with, like, biblical mythology. Yeah. Like, you can defeat the devil just by, like, not listening to him. Oh, yeah, because the devil is, is notoriously easy to trick. Yeah. I isn't That's, like, the, the, the wharf problem or whatever. Like, with... Like in Star Trek, that I have it. I don't know this. I've just heard about it. Supposedly, mm-hmm. in, in Star Trek: The Next Generation, if they wanted to show someone was tough, they'd like beat up Worf because he was the toughest guy. But then right, they created a situation where Worf was just always time. getting beat up, so he seemed like he was just not that tough. Yeah. So we want to show the devil is like, if we want to show someone is strong, then they outwit the devil, or like clever. Yeah. But now the only stories about the devil are him getting outwitted. So the devil just looks like a guy who's easy to outwit. It's like a fucking <laughs> Which chump. is his plan all along. Uh, to make us underestimate him. Bold. Or it. It. Them, um, I guess, would be the right yeah. term here. Anyway. I suppose. Oh, words are hard. Words are hard. So this is where I want to bring in the author's intent. Where yes, please Where Geezer do. Butler has said that the song is about the devil falling in love and totally changing, becoming a good person. Oh, okay. Which, which I don't think is apparent in the song. No, I don't think <laughs> so either. The Especially a good person part. He's talking about the other person leaving their life mm-hmm. from before. Which, uh, yeah, so leaving the life you led before we met. 
So, I don't know, it doesn't seem like the devil's making much of a sacrifice here. No, if anything, it's a seduction, right? I mean, maybe part of it is just the music, because the music stays, like, pretty dark throughout. Mm-hmm. And it's fairly ambiguous. It's not like it's telling the story. It's just trying to have this, like, kind of dark poetry of, like, with all this satanic imagery, which is pretty cool. Um yeah. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really get that. Especially the like my name is Lucifer, please take my hand really seems like like this you know, join with me and we'll rule the galaxy together or whatever. Yeah. And it's like uh I, Butler is also later referred to it as just a humorous take on Satan falling in love, which like I kind of get, but he says I just the way we open with him being like some people say like my love's not true believe me and I'll show you I'm gonna give you all these great things you just gotta hang out with me like that's classic devil talk he's like it's gonna be a great deal if you fucking give in to evil yeah yeah absolutely it really it really fits with that that image of like the devil being a guy who just is like this silver tongued snake sometimes literally um, mm-hmm. who like who convinces people to join with him and like. If that's the character, then like you could read all these same lines and it would still make sense. He would just be dishonest, right? So yeah. maybe that's part of the strength of the song is that it kind of works. It's kind of ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And you can read it in different ways. And of course, this satanic imagery, which was less common at the time. Yeah. And just even like even the way we get the reveal, like that's it's like, oh, our love grows stronger. Like you're in this now. Now you get to know I'm the devil. Right. My yeah. name's Lucifer. <laughs> it's it's like the like the um, I I haven't read any Lovecraft, but for some reason Lovecraft is what I was thinking of. Where like you got this whole story, and then like the end of the story is when you realize, oh, everything I did is actually the wrong thing, and now like these are the consequences of my actions. Like, right. This is the devil, and I've been tricked. Like that that seems like such a devil story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I guess like, I like there is something that's... funny in this if we take it as a love song right. at at sight, and then the joke is uh, the love was with Lucifer, which yeah, and maybe that played like in 1970 when this was released, right? And maybe we're just a little more accustomed to the genre, so like it turning out to be Lucifer is like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, that, that's how metal works. It's <laughs> like fire, that's, that's base fire, level yeah. metal. You're like, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, we all know the, <laughs> the main character. Of course he is. I came into mm. this. The band's name is Black Sabbath. I'm, I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, it's all just like very apparent. So <laughs> it I'm, fits together. It's it's all there. Uh. Yeah, but, so yeah, fairly simple song. Like, that's the last of the unique words. I think everything else is repeated. Yeah, uh, follow me now, you will not regret, leaving life, you love for me. Yeah. yeah, they do the last, the second and third verses, I will call them, again, with a chorus in between. And, like, yeah, that's that's the lyrics. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a Satan love song, and y'all can take that however you want to take it. That's what it's about. Satan and love. Yeah. With that, let's let's start talking about the the music, the instrumentation. Also fairly simple, like you say. Um yeah. there's a lot of like doubling up and there's still a lot of repetition. But we do start with a bass solo. 
Yeah, sometimes listed as a separate track, but like stuck together, which is called basically, basically. but with the two S's in there, like bass guitar. Like a, like a funny joke. Like a funny joke, like get organized by like get uh, organized by Boston. By Boston, yes, I do. I do. I'm. I mean, someone was gonna do it sooner or later. It might as well be them. Exactly. Have a cheesy solo name. Yeah. So we got like it's a bass with a lot of wah wah on it, and it's forty seconds of that. It's I don't know. It's pretty fucking dank. It sounds cool as hell. Yeah, especially. I mean, bass solos have a not great reputation. Um, and it can be difficult to pull them off, but this is pretty cool. Oh. It's kind of a little, you know? Yeah. Good stuff. It's when I think of bass solos, I think of like this and, uh, fucking. One of these days. The of that pink? Yes, one of these days. Yeah. But is it really a solo? All right, it's two bases, isn't it? Although I feel like you could do it with an echo in a lot of the song. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Anyway, um, so that happens for a while, and then it starts to play, like, the riff of the song. Mm-hmm. Which, as we've mentioned, like, the first three notes are basically just sh- sunshine of your love, right? It's first four. Da-na-na-na. And then, I mean, you don't know what song it is until after that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it has, like, that has like a distorted sound we talked about it. well the guitar comes in as well and now they're doubling yeah so we get the first quick. uh the first repetition is just that bass yeah and then we get the guitar and drums coming in and uh i mean i think it's something we probably take for granted but you hear about it if you if you l- watch these older rock artists like in interviews and stuff when they're like yeah we we like figured out how to get our guitar to, to like do this sustained thing and and it was like so cool and new but now it's like yeah that's what guitars sound like yeah it's, it's such a fundamental but it was like and... still fairly new at the time mm-hmm. and even something like as basic as the way they're playing those notes like what sets it apart from sunshine of your love is sort of the that heavy chugging that is like you know part of heavy metal music Right, it doesn't sound like Eric Clapton. Yeah. Plus, there's like that slight dark edge because the the strings are a bit tuned down. Yeah. I'm told. Um, so we're a little lower. We're a little detuned. Yeah. And we're we're kind of letting each note land with a bit of weight. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like the blues in that way, and that's yeah. kind of. I mean, you're getting some of that kind of stuff, particularly. In terms of the tone, like from some other hard rock bands at the time as well, like, I mean, um, uh, like Led Zeppelin was a contemporary who really did a lot of that. Yeah, sort of sustaining uh... the guitar. I also like how both of these these groups were like fairly poorly received uh, critically. Yeah, and both started in the same year, 1968. 1968. It's, well, it's fun. There's, like, so, like all those groups from the UK, because the UK is more concentrated, I think. This is my guess. Where you hear stories where it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, what was it? Tony Aomi was, like, in Jethro Tull for a while. Like, he left Black... Like, he formed Black Sabbath, left it for Jethro Tull, and then went back to Black Sabbath, like, before they <laughs> broke out. And, right. like... That's they were crazy. kind of close together-ish. And, like, what is, um, 
Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull like bought a guitar, sold a guitar to to like to Lemmy from Motorhead, like from Motorhead. They're all yeah, kind well, of like around. A, it's geographically smaller, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> compared to the nor- any any part of North America. Yeah. So and, anyway, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if they were. So, all, yeah, you, yeah. I, I imagine there's just more possibility for crossover there. There has to be. The population density is so high. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so that's interesting. But that's what they do in this song. What we said, they they do this riff. And the drums are playing. Yeah, a lot of focus on cymbals for the drums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Ozzy. Ozzy starts to sing. Ozzy has a very interesting and distinctive tone to his voice. It's like almost yeah. like operatic in some ways. I don't know if they just do that with um like reverb, but like that's just kind of the quality of his voice. Yeah, it's like if a like an ancient wizard did opera. Yeah. Yeah, it's like kind of like trashy opera. Like it's Yeah. Or like yeah, cuz it's not opera obviously, but like it's it's high and like like you know, uh, know, I'm thinking like Watchmen. How uh, Rorschach when he's you know the the Doomsday Sayer guy with the the signs and stuff. Right. Like if he was to sing opera, that would be Ozzy yeah. Osbourne. And yeah, it's it's this weird like combination of like clarity and and roughness that I can't mm-hmm. fully explain. It's also like kind of like the, I don't know if he has a lot of vocal range. But he certainly doesn't need to and doesn't necessarily use a lot at any given time. Like a song like Paranoid, it's pretty like flat. There's not a ton mm-hmm. of motion uh, melodically in, in the vocals. And this kind of has that too. Yeah. It's compelling without necessarily being like a, yeah. like a technical Yeah, feat. a lot of it is like on the tone of his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the vocals also are following that riff. So, yeah. They're all doing the same thing really, just kind of like reinforcing that. Yeah, you got three instruments, vocals, guitar and bass doing the same pattern and then just uh guitars, I mean not guitars, drums punching it up with some cymbals. Yeah, so like that's that's it for a lot of the song. Um Yeah. He st- um Tony starts to play like a solo section between the first two verses uh, yeah where there's no chorus. So you get two different breakdowns yeah you get the breakdown between verses where it's uh it's the guitar taking the lead and then you get the chorus breakdown where it's really uh bass and vocal centered like during the chorus yeah yeah um which is when they stop playing the riff and like yeah like you said the guitar is basically just sustaining yeah, it does little sustains to kind of fill out the space. And then the bass does... Like, it kind of follows that, but it has a lot of, like, notes in between. Obviously, yeah. it's still following the chord progression. And, oh, and also there's a tambourine sound. That's right, tambourine for the percussion. There's no real drums going on in that chorus section. And, yeah, so that's... I mean, that's the chorus. That's really why I would still consider a chorus, because it's musically distinct from the rest. Right, that's fair. Um... Although there are a few sections that are repeated as much as that. Um, and then they go, or after the chorus, they go right back into the third verse. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, that's the same. Like, they do that 
that same they go right back into that riff after the chorus and then do another yeah verse. and then at the end of that verse instead of it being just an instrumental break that is the full-blown solo yes yeah, so that's the guitar solo it it um starts in the same way as the the what what he played between the first yeah. two verses starts and then the same way as that bridge elaborates. and then kind of goes off which actually, it, I mean, mm-hmm. the rest of the song is like pretty similar. There's like repetition. There is another guitar solo later on in the song. Yeah, that's the outro, right? The last minute. Yeah, and it's also that same solo, or starts the same way. And of course, near mm-hmm. the end, there's some like differences, particularly with the drums. Which um, again, I would say is fairly like you know that's very blues based. Yeah, it's not in its styling breaking ground in terms of song structure mm-hmm. but there's you know there's a lot of other new stuff on display i guess that's kind of i think that happens a lot it's not often that you get something that is completely 100 percent new and disconnected from everything that came before so it kind of uses that uses familiar song structure and things that people are familiar with to present this new idea which is what became heavy metal right pretty cool yeah and you get your classic like big rock and roll ending a lot of a lot of crashing on cymbals yeah where everyone just kind of like you know plays and then one big last note which is also something i don't know how common it was at the time but it's it's a bit of a cliche now Mm -hmm. and certainly classic for live recordings or live performances so given that that was the circumstances under which the album was made pretty sensible it makes sense you just make a lot of noise at the end mm-hmm. because why not why not yeah yeah so i mean that's kind of the song like there's there's really one guitar solo that gets repeated three times um there's three verses and then they redo the second two verses and the chorus actually only happens twice which yeah i mean in pop songs, you usually kind of ride out on the chorus or several repetitions of the chorus or something like that. Mm-hmm. But not here. Uh, I wouldn't really yeah. call this like pop per se. Popular. No. Popular, I, won't get in, I won't get into that discussion. Yeah. We, we would have to break down what the, the, the state of music was in the 70s a little more. Yeah. And but I don't know that. I don't fucking know that at all. <laughs> I mean, I loosely know it, but yeah, I, not I well have, enough to make educated comments. Bigger picture. Big, mm-hmm. you know, broad. Anyway, you were saying. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say. I wonder if them not ending on the chorus is just a sign of how early on they were in their music careers. Because this is the the debut Black Sabbath album, so I'm wondering if maybe a more experienced Black Sabbath would ride that chorus out. I don't know, because it's such a pop thing a lot of the time. I don't know if they would avoid that. I don't really know what the other. I'd have to listen to more Black Sabbath now. You know? Yeah. I'm what did they do to, in the future? I don't know, because I don't know. And and to, to say it once more, I don't know. I also don't know. So with that, Alex, should we get into our covers? Yeah, let's talk about some covers. Okay, the first cover we're talking about is Black Sabbath in the year 1982. <laughs> Covered by Black Sabbath. But this is not the same Black Sabbath. This no. 
is Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio. Mm-hmm. This is a new singer. Um, I didn't actually look up which band members were still in, but I'm pretty sure most of the same band. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, this is this is what like twelve if years I've later. Done my research right. Yeah, this is like twelve years later, and I believe this is from the live tour they did with uh with who the fuck is it? Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult. I believe the tour was called Black and Blue, or Blue and Black. See, Bach. Bach. Ah, color names. Let's follow this up. Oh wait, what? Hang on. Did we? We got red. We got black. No, we got white. Not red. Sorry, I'm just looking at our our previous episodes, and I'm like, we can keep on the color theme, but we have only we've done white and black. Not important. I'm getting off topic. We're talking about. This live version. So, pretty much the difference is the singer. Yeah, it's Dio. It's Dio vocals, and we've advanced 12 years in heavy metal. We've had, uh, you know, your Alice Coopers, your Kiss, and I think, importantly, your uh, Judas Priest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, I think, really have pushed that operatic aspect you were talking about with Ozzy's vocals. Right. I would say uh, uh, Ronnie James Dio embraces that and refines it. Yeah, he might have like the most metal voice that I know of, certainly. Mm-hmm. Like if you were if you were to parody a metal voice, this would be the one you would do. Yeah, you would want it to sound like this. This is as I mean, in my mind, which is fairly uneducated on the matter, about <laughs> as metal as it gets, vocally speaking. Yeah. Like And I I'm pretty sure he's fairly well regarded in the community anyway. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if I get a lot of pushback from that. Um, no. So it's, it's really the same line. He certainly lines. doesn't, I don't know if he holds, if he does growls or anything to that extent. I don't know how much he speaks to sort of the offshoot, like metal genres where vocals have to be more growly or low or strained. But know. in terms of like hard rock metal, like operatic, and he can do some evil sounding stuff without necessarily growling. <laughs> yeah. He can do he some like laughs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Always, those those are good. Um, also, he like popularized the the like devil horns. Yeah, so that's a big deal. So it's hard to get more metal than that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the rest of the song pretty similar, but he's he's doing his thing. Uh, the the ad libbing's a little different. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I think his voice is a little more expressive than Ozzy, um, as much as the. You know, we we're talking about like the tone of Ozzy's voice, and yeah, sounds very good. But in terms of of like actually like putting something into it, like this character, I guess you'd say, um, he kind of has that more so. Yeah, just the way he reads voice. the line, "My name is Lucifer." Yeah, every is, time is a good it, like he just, telling like, point. it right up. And, My, name, My is name is Lucifer, yeah. and you're like, "Oh shit, yeah!" It like is it Dio. feels like this reveal. <laughs> Which it mm-hmm. is in the context of the song, kind of. So. Yeah, he reads it like he's a like a performer, like a theater actor. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, my question to you, Alex, is: Is it better than Ozzy's vocal performance? I mean, they both have their own thing. I'm gonna say probably it is. Most likely, Certainly from a technical standpoint, um, like it's more dynamic. But they they both have like a really kind of 
they both have their part in 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 music history and they both have their own thing and they both do it on this song so you know yeah. i hate to compare things but but it probably is to you <laughs> that's why you're on this podcast where so we deliberately podcast. compare things <laughs> um he might shout the bass at 32 seconds i i Ooh, i don't know what bass. he says he says something uh add some ad libs he does too that's yeah. fucking rad um <laughs> But yeah, and he no. apparently also mentioned before singing this. I didn't. I didn't look at the live video, but he mentions the uh, the rumored <laughs> title "Nativity in Black." Oh, he he like pushes the mythology. Uh, yeah, it's part of that performance, which, which sounds like a, a like the kind of move he would do. Yeah, got to make it mysterious or or give the fans what they want or something like that. I don't know. Damn. Um. He also, I mean, like he's still got like a lot of power in his voice. Just to add mm-hmm. to the to the vocal comparison, and like he does some really good vibrato as well on some of the notes he holds. So like, I agree. I definitely agree in terms of technical, uh, the technical side. Yeah, he's like miles ahead. Yeah, he is a more skilled vocalist. So I think absolutely. I think he takes it, but but obviously. But does but they it make for a more compelling it, nip? That's the question. Is it a more compelling nip? Uh, I don't. I don't want to have to make this decision, man. You kill him. I mean. Kill him. <laughs> it's tough. I think Ozzy Osbourne has such a such a appeal in the way he delivers it, even if it might be called like a flat tone. There was right. something about his voice that is compellingly evil. Absolutely, and lends itself yeah. to being Satan in this. I song. mean, they don't call him the Prince of Darkness for nothing. Hmm. Um. It's. Food for thought, nonetheless, yeah, Alex. I don't know absolutely. if we will land on it. That's all I really have to say about this version, unless you've got anything else. I'm just seeing if I have any other details. Just little things. Uh, the There's like a drum roll in the original uh, during mm-hmm. one of the guitar solos, but in this one, they kind of break it up. So like, as the second solo is playing, the guitar will kind of play a section, and then they'll get a drum roll, and then stop, and then plays another set, and then the drum roll kind of goes. So it, it kind of accents it in that way with these drum rolls, and I liked that. Yeah. Um, and that's also that's worth noting is that I'm just listening to one of the the first solo now, and the bass is a lot more like, for lack of a better word, professional. I guess it's been a while. Yeah. And when they recorded the original, he's like, "Yeah, I didn't actually play bass, so didn't know what to do." <laughs> yeah. So it <laughs> probably seems has like maybe Butler had figured out some more melodic stylings <laughs> by this time, and I think that's present in this live version, which is great and uh, makes sense. After twelve yeah. years, and uh, I'm glad he did. I, I'm glad, and yeah, to like, this is a good live version. It's roughly the same length as the original. It only it's taken out basically, so there's no bass intro. Right, right. But yeah, not much, not much change other than that. Same not band, much changed. It is life. Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. With that, we're gonna move into 1990 to talk about White Stains. White Stains. It's named uh, after are, Jizz. Yeah, it seems to be. Um, I was wondering if maybe, because like obviously we got Black Sabbath, we got White Stains, if like it was Black White, but they're not really a reference to Black Sabbath. They're just no, another band. No, it's actually band. a reference to Aleister Crowley. Or Crowley. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a book of poems published by Aleister Crowley, White Stains, and the title is a reference to, uh, what's the what's the biblical name for jacking off? Is it Onanism? 
I believe it is. Yeah, so that is what it is a reference to. All right. Uh, so these are uh, these guys are a Swedish band. Um, yes. And apparently they play like garage music. Yeah. Heavy electronic music. They started out with like psychedelic music and slowly moved into more experimental stuff. Yeah. So this version has a church organ, which kind of helps thematically with the song. It opens with like this big church organ solo. It just kind of does its own thing. And there's like some voice, like vocal, like, let's try that again. There's some like, choral sounds like voice pads vocal synthesizer type things going on yeah it sounds like there's a distant choir Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way of saying the thing i just took like 20 (laughs) seconds to say Uh, yours was smarter mine was just simplifying (laughs) sure yeah but you know sometimes sometimes being concise is the smarter thing to do anyway um let well, that's not what we button. do on this podcast. No, it is not. Um, so, and then the organ starts to play the, the riff for a bit. Yeah. Um, and then it continues playing the riff, as we see in the original song, as the when the vocals come in, which are, like, fairly flat now. Yeah, They've it's very that, much in know. that, like, new wave style. Yeah, kind of like a... I mean, I'm thinking of, like, craft work. Me too. Yeah. There you go, because it's like pretty monotonous, and it like really feels like it's that on purpose. Yeah, and they're like, and they just say, "Now I have you with me under my power." Except flatter than that, even. Yeah, and it's less uh, less staccato in that rhythm. It's much smoother. That's true. That is true. He, like he still hits some of the the beats there, but it's uh, it's more like one sentence rather than each word. Right. Yeah, and. Just like very flat throughout. So there's that. Um... After the first verse, we get into uh, the rest of the instruments with distorted guitar, a right. heavy bass. And... Actually, it happens half because we've called this part this, the second verse. So it happens halfway between through the right. second verse. So when the second oh yeah comes in, yeah, we get the yeah. Is when you get this. It's like kind of like industrial sounding they get these like Mm -hmm. big drums and then like distorted guitar yeah and it slowly overtakes the organ which is still ever present but it's uh it's getting drowned out by this industrial sound yeah like this super super distorted um rhythm guitar and then the guitar is playing like its own riff um, yeah, is at it? least until the vocals come back, and then it starts playing that that riff again. Right. Yeah, you're right. So there is a lot of uh, like original composition thrown into this one with the the organ solo at the start, a little mm-hmm. bit of that guitar riff. Yeah, and they they really like. It feels like they take their time getting to the chorus, just because it it feels slow. Yeah. Um. And then. He kind of changes up the course a little bit. He says the first line and then says your love for me again. And then, like, and then does just goes through the whole course again. So they kind yeah. of extend the chorus a bit. And the way he, uh, 
I like the way it's phrased out and kind of the the vocal pattern he takes reminds me of is it ain't no mountain high enough I'm gonna listen to it and see if I hear that and it's you know like the the pre-chorus for ain't no mountain high enough it sounds familiar I don't know if, if you I need me totally call me no matter where you are like you know it kind of sounds like something else it does yeah it, it if something that's is it, there if I that's it my, it my mind can't like make the connection but uh that's my closest guess but it does seem to have a pattern reminiscent of something else yeah like they just throw in a different kind of melody for that that section mm-hmm. um and then for the most part like they follow the song uh they kind of do some weird like you were saying don't necessarily follow the rhythm on the on the syllables and like it's kind of awkward and like it'll kind of go slow and it'll seem like if you're reading along the lyrics at the same time you're like there's no way he's gonna fit those words in that line that, <laughs> that time he's like something's wrong and then he speeds up right so it's that kind of thing that like kind of slow down speed up even though the song itself is is fairly slow all around He's mm-hmm. it, the vocals have this really lethargic feeling. Yeah, it's and it's not really much slower than the original. It comes in at five twenty-five, but it does feel slower. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if they. I mean, they have a a solo. I think they do less soloing, so the song probably is slower. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it just gets extended a bit. Right. And... I believe that. Yeah, and like um, later on they have some yeah. like like yeah, more industrial sound in the uh like guitar solo. So you get some like kind of more like screeching type guitars and there's a lot of like vibrato and stuff in the solo. Yeah, a lot of vibrato, a lot of echo as well, both on the guitar, which you can particularly note in the solo. Right. But also on the vocals themselves, they have a lot of vo- like echo. Mhm. Or sort of resonant quality, almost that sort of underwater quality that you know, like when we were fucking around with your synth that one time. I do know underwater drums. Like, yeah, basically that kind of quality. like drums with bubbles. Mm-hmm. For anyone who wasn't in Jake's basement that time, <laughs> so most people, <laughs> so most people, we plugged an electronic drum kit into a synthesizer. Pretty straightforward, right? We didn't know what we were doing, so we everything just sounded like it was underwater. But it was a good time. Yeah, it was great because that also because that was the same day that my my basement had flooded, right? Oh, was that that same time? <laughs> if it wasn't, it was very close. It was to close because that was right when I got the synthesizer. Yeah, I still don't know. I mean, I'd know how to use it better. Um, we we have grown since then, just you know, have, never as much as we want to. Never as much as we want to. Yeah, and that's like pretty much this version. Really, it's. Got yeah. that? It's like really lethargic, really flat vocals, and uh, and they have no oh yes, no oh yes. It's a it's it's like a haunting industrial church version of the original. Yeah, I believe that. That checks out in my brain. That that would be my my summary of it. Uh, to move forward four years into 1994, we'll talk about acid drinkers. Off the album, Fish Dick. <laughs> yep, it's a cover album. Just wanted to mention that. I thought it was important. 
I, I do definitely believe that that is important for people to know. So um, these guys are a Polish thrash metal band. Thrash metal. Um, apparently very big in Poland. Yeah, apparently. I was looking up thrash metal just for a little bit of background. Um, right. I did know that Metallica, at least early Metallica, was considered part of that. Apparently the song Stone Cold Crazy is considered like kind of proto-thrash metal. That's the Queen song? The Queen song, yeah, which is pretty Stone cool. Stone Cold Crazy! Yeah. Yeah, I could see the roots in that. Anyway, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, apparently they were super important in Poland. Um, yeah. And I think they also, it also mentioned they had some kind of punk rock influences, which I can particularly see in the sort of gross ambient noises of this track in the yeah, intro. Yeah, absolutely. The beginning is just them like fucking around. Like there's drums and like some mm-hmm. people shouting and it just sounds like they're kind of hanging out and like, singing together they sing the i'm going to feel part yeah like poorly like uh from the chorus yeah poorly like everyone's like they're singing together but they're not like harmonizing they're just like shouting it out Mm -hmm. so you're talking about very self-serious metal earlier this is not that no absolutely and then they start like one guy starts to sing something i don't know what it is maybe it's a reference to something Mm-hmm. Because uh, this song definitely references other songs. Um, yeah, in weird and strange ways. <laughs> yeah, but it just sounds like he's got his hands over his mouth and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like he's rapping, right? Is he saying words? Probably, yeah. Maybe. I don't know what they are because he's kind of muffled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we get to like your, uh, your guitar comes in and that's when the official vocals start. It's distorted guitar doing the regular line. Yeah, and, but we yeah. can cont- continue these backup ambient noises of burping and like barking and whatever the fuck. Yeah, it constantly sounds like they're just fucking around in the background. Um, his singing, his vocals are like on the growly side of of metal vocals. They got that like yeah. low growl. Um, particularly, there's a like in the the solo or like between the verses when he says, "Oh yeah," there's kind of a beat. Where he says, because if you recall the original song, they kind of like play the riff and then he goes, oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then now in this one, the second time they play the riff and then instead of, in place of the oh yeah, there's just a like a burp. So yeah. It's like right when you're like listening for the line, it doesn't happen and they just burp. Let's go for it. So like, it's very, like it's, it feels like so purposeful, but mm-hmm. also just like fucking around. It's, it's good shit. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> and then they they have a I I've called it like a muppet sounding chorus where they all start singing I'm going to feel. Right. It's like everyone's doing their own like weird voice. Yeah. But they're singing together. And again, they're not harmonizing. There's no harmony. It's it's just it's just like cacophonous. Mhm. Of just them like all shouting this line or doing a funny voice on this line. <laughs> Yeah, it's all it's goofy, distorted voices. Uh, the other thing about the chorus, the the drums get really like really start to accent the two and the four, so it almost feels like ska ish. Yeah, after like one twenty or so, like yeah, yeah. So the drums on this are interesting. They're not really like traditional traditionally metal i mean there are quite a few fills and they're not really like straight rock either and that chorus drums is a big example of that yeah and i think that i think the scottish drums 
No, I'm wrong. Never mind. Yeah, it comes up again later, but it's definitely a, a, a strange sound that I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. expect in metal, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's that like, is it that the like closing of a hi-hat kind of sound? Is that what that is? I'm that not sure. That's yeah, like where you hit it and then with. close it to mute it kind of? Yeah. I think so. So yeah, not not something I really associate with this genre, but it's in here and I, I think it sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because to, it's more like no. casual kind of in atmosphere because it just mm-hmm. feels like they're fucking around. Ska kind of makes sense. Because it's got kind of that yeah. vibe. Um, anyway. And it is the 90s where that ska was kind of in its prime. So I can see them borrowing elements from that just naturally. Because, you know, you're surrounded by music that's doing that. That's true. It is the mid-90s. Yeah. So what's interesting or weird or strange or fucking bizarre, we get to verse <laughs> 2. And instead of them saying, my name is Lucifer... They just completely replace it with a, a, a line, a sample from another song. Yeah, the song Luca, released by Suzanne Vega in 1987. Which was fortunately very easy to Google, or I wouldn't know that. Yeah. And it's uh, that song itself is about an abusive relationship. So I wonder if they pulled that in deliberately to sort of, like, color their interpretation of this. Which would be similar to ours, where, like, hey, hang on a minute, that's the devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a it's like, bad I don't guy. know about this. <laughs> Um, I didn't actually know that about, I didn't look up Luca, uh, in terms of, I didn't, I didn't look up anything I just about gave the lyrics a I quick read, and it's pretty clear. Song. Um, but yeah, instead of my name is Lucifer, it just says, my name is Luca, and then like, keeps, and then like, just hard cut to a different song, hard cut yeah. back. Like, it's, it's very yeah, you jarred. fucking smash into it, it's the, everything's, it's just the straight, that line from the song. And the instrumentation at that part and everything, and then it goes back. Yeah. It's jarring. Yeah. It's very, very jarring. Very much. Um, they also do a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the original solo. Yeah. As far as I can tell. It's just the same. Um, or very similar. Uh, although, once they go back to playing the riff it's only on bass for a bit perhaps just as a tribute to the original song but then the guitar comes back in again um they sing that lucifer verse again with like the messing around vocals yeah they all come in on my name is lucifer please take my hand but yeah same with voices um Mm -hmm. sorry i'm burping yeah, and that My Name is Lucifer, that's the ending line, and the instruments are actually done at that point. Yeah, it's quite a short version. 333, yeah. which, interestingly enough, half of 666. Hey, look at that. Hmm. But also, like we talked about in the original, the structure was pretty much like the song twice, basically. Yeah, it's very repetitive, it's... so cutting yeah. that out, like, fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great cover length, I think. Especially if you're just, like, having a fun time, which seems mm-hmm. to be the... The purpose of this song yeah it was uh it was fun it was strange um i don't know if it's like my favorite but i think they did a good job absolutely this was yeah it's certainly memorable especially when it's like it's 94 metal exists has existed for a while like we know what it is 
Um, Black Sabbath is already legendary. This song is one of their early songs and fairly well-known in terms of metal songs by Black Mm -hmm. Sabbath. So, like, it's not so uncommon, I'm sure, for a metal-ish band to play a cover. So you do this and set yourself apart. Way to go. Yeah. Fucking dank. Let's move on to 1999 to talk about Blood Coven. Blood Coven. This is a black metal slash death metal band. They're from Ohio. Yeah. And, uh... Formed in 1993, so this band is as old as you and I. (laughs) Yeah, if it's still around. Yeah, they dropped a new album in April. Oh, there you go. Way to go, Blood Coven. Oh, they have a cover of Temples of Syrinx. Anyway, um, Focus Alex, back to episode. Right, so this is like more straightforward what I would expect from like metal... I guess in the 90s, not necessarily nowadays, but nowadays. But like this is, we're a metal band and we have metal that existed before as a reference. Yeah. So more distortion, double kick, uh, like almost throughout the whole song. Oh, yeah. Uh, intensely growly. Yes. There's also like backup growls, which again, yeah. not harmonizing, but like kind of just like supporting. But because of the way that, because they are growly and like a bit higher and maybe a bit thinner, they really have that like, like minion feeling. Not like yellow minions, like just the idea of like a servant for an evil guy. Sort right, of a thing. crony, a little goblin. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Sorry, I'm burping again. Jeez. That's okay. We all burp sometimes. I think sometimes. it's because you listen to too much uh, acid drinkers. You're like, I got to burp too. Oh, I got all this acid build what up. If, what if we did that for the whole podcast when the other person was talking, the other person has to burp? Constantly? <laughs> well, I really think this song's bass. We're just having a fun time, so we burp. <laughs> we Obviously. No, it's fun. No one's going to have fun if we're not burping. Jeez. Yeah. That's so, why um, I never use Tums. Because no, they're not yeah, fun. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. Um, a lot of double kick in this one. We get a guitar solo. Um, yes, it kind of. Sorry. Straightforward. It's very straightforward. Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's a metal guitar solo. It starts with like, it uses like some of the later parts of the original solo to sort of jump off, and then it kind of does some shredding and there's double like double kick. It's not. It doesn't feel di- that different to me in terms of metal uh, solos. Yeah, but but I guess different isn't necessarily the only thing that means something's good. But it didn't stand out to me either. No, um, as far as solos go, yeah, I mean the guy's fine at playing; like he's a good guitar player. It wasn't bad. Yeah, like, so, like you fucked up, and they were fine. like, "Sorry, it's the best I can do. Let's put it in." Like it's yeah, but I don't really know how to judge a solo all that well. No, other I than don't to know. say it seemed fine. It's my only rule I use for solos, and it's strictly for live performances, is that it should never be the same. 
Yeah, I don't know Even about you, that. That's that's me. That's me borrowing from Frank Zappa, who says oh, okay. a solo every time should be unique. The reason that the recorded solo is the one you hear on the recording is simply because it was the solo that was recorded. True. Interesting. Um, I agree with that sometimes, but I I don't see why a solo can't be prearranged sometimes and improvised other times. Um, I think you can have some like some lines you hit, like some phrases. Right. Right, right, right. And I know what I've heard of solos is you develop a solo vocabulary as an artist. So mm. there's going to be similarities, but you're technically doing a different thing. Um, now, the solo in the original song really feels like it's part of the song. And I've mm-hmm. only known this song for a week, so it's not like I grew up with this song. I'm like, it's <laughs> it's natural. Like, it, it feels appropriate. Um, yeah. As a person who, again, doesn't have a ton of experience with solos um other than listening to them this one is like fine it fits with the tone of the song but you know with this band but like it it didn't stand out to me all that much right and it's sort of like instead of being uh you know congruent with the song it does just kind of take off we fade out on the the solo at least the, the second one. There might be two solos in this. Yeah, yeah two solos. Yeah, the second one. Because they do go back. They sing another couple verses in a chorus. Mm-hmm. Possibly not in that order. Um, this might be like... Like, that second one may be like the jazz of, of metal, you know? Where it's it's just like, we're doing a cover so we can have this big fuck-off solo in there. Yeah, it, it does feel kind of like that. Because I did think it was... Almost a bit. Like, it was a bit too much. It wasn't, like, way mm. too much. And I've said this before, probably about jazz. But it was a bit too much. Yeah. I would be interested in doing a study of solos across genres. Like, what the uh, accepted staples are, average lengths, things like that. Yeah, how much can be a solo. I'm anticipating jazz solos are going to be on the high end. Jazz solos going to be 10 minutes. Unless there's some, like, genre I don't know about from some other, like, some other national tradition or whatever. Right. Um, it's going to be, like, 30 minutes like, of oboe, and you're yeah, like, right, you fine. Yeah, you just oboe for 30 minutes. Or, like, this instrument you never heard of? 30 minutes of it. Okay. <laughs> 30 minutes of it. You're like, eh, okay. That, that sure. sounds different. That sounds, like, physically taxing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so go for it, man go for it um anything else to say about this one alex nope nope okay we're gonna oh, talk it's about fast. crocus it's fast we get through the song really fast yeah it's a fast song and then like i just have a lot of time and they solo in it that's right baby yep that's crocus all. crocus 2017 Crocus is another band. They're Swiss. Yeah, Switzerland. Um, this is off a... I don't think we've talked about Crocus. But they are like a successful band. They're they are su- fairly well known. Yeah, I feel like I've heard their name come up occasionally if I've ever looked up. Um, like metal. Like every once in a while be like, mm-hmm. and then this guy who's associated with, affiliated with Crocus or whatever. But they do have uh, two songs we've talked about on this album. They have Wild Thing on this album. Right. And they have Quinn the Eskimo on this album. 
Hey. Yeah. Those so, are some cover me classics. Those yeah, those are that's a doesn't get that's much deeper back. than that. Um but yes, this is Crocus. And this is a very short version. Yeah. It's and the start of their album. It's a minute and 16 seconds. Um, I'm going to borrow a quote from their bio here because I think it very much describes their performance here. Uh, Switzerland's most successful hard rock band, Crocus enjoyed international popularity in the 1980s and onwards for their aggressive, straightforward variety of European metal. And that's what I would call this one is aggressive, straightforward <laughs> Aggressively metal. straightforward? Um, yes. Yeah, it's not like it it just feels like you do a more of like a hard rock versus metal sound and mm-hmm. play like the riff of this song and then play the chorus bit and then play the riff a bit and then like get us pumped up for the album or whatever. And I think it works. Yeah. Um yeah, as like a brief pump up jam to lead into looking up the song now, Tie Your Mother Down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, six yeah. minutes of this would have bogged me down. You know, yeah, especially like awful. I mean, this song instrumental, I, I, for six minutes, too much. Like I don't see yeah. that working. A minute sixteen, yeah, that's fine. Also, that's the fine. very beginning is like other sounds, like speakeasy yeah, like little, sounds. Yeah, did you say speakeasy? I did say speakeasy. That's yeah, a hundred percent the vibe. Yeah, it sounds like a live venue. Glasses are clinking. Someone's playing a clarinet or something. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, like in the distance. And in the distance, clarinets. And Yeah, and then it, it plays that for fucking like 10 seconds. And then we, we cut into this, the actual nib. Yeah, and then they, they nib it and it's over. Like yeah. They do all the parts of the song without the solos, which is only two parts. And uh, and then they play a different song. So, yeah. Yeah. They successfully nib in and out. Yeah, so there's not a whole lot to say about this. Yeah. Good good tone on the guitar. I think it's that very, like, high clean kind of noise. Yeah. It's very, very, like, I don't know how else to describe it than, like, 70s hard rock. Like, it. Yeah, straightforward European metal. Straightforward European metal. It's like, it is straightforward. It's not very unique yeah and with that we're going to talk about perhaps the most unique cover in this set of covers uh, hillary woods in 2020 hillary woods hillary woods is uh, an Irish musician, mm-hmm. um, apparently a bassist for a group called JJ72. Ah, yes, JJ72. Not familiar with. Well, I, I was familiar with JJ71. Yeah, the sequel was fine. Um, wasn't the same in terms of magic, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's you know, it's what happens sometimes. So in terms of like covers we've talked about, it's been all very metal or metal adjacent. Yeah, absolutely. Genre wise, this is the first yeah. one to switch that up. Mm-hmm. So this is like spooky acoustic. 
I guess it's almost in that vein of like uh, like epic trailer music, the the quiet parts, but for the whole thing rather than getting loud and heavy. Yeah, on there's drums. no gunshot sound effects suddenly. Um, yeah, it's like it's slow. It's echoey. The vocals have a ton of echo. They got this like ethereal quality to them. They're kind of whispered. Yeah. Um, or not whispered, but like they're quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are quiet and have that sort of whispery quality yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're still whispery. Is still the right word. Um, yeah. And it actually opens with a bass intro, reference to basically, mm-hmm. probably not, but maybe. Yeah, because that bass sort of just sets up the this like it's there for the whole song basically. Yeah. So that's that's like the riff, which is based on the original riff, not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But it is similar. And again, you don't have that like high energy thing going on. Yeah, it's quite dull compared to the the original. It's very soft and Yeah, soft spoken and low energy. Yeah. Um there's like there's a sound that comes in early on that sounds just like a really fast kick drum, but like the bass, it's very bassy. It almost sounds like like a helicopter sound. Yeah. Except it's more like. Did that even? I don't even know if that, that played. That did register. Okay. Way to go, microphone. Way to go. Way to get the yeah. So you get it starts building in these like sort of ambient sound effects. You get that weird helicopter bassy tone. You start getting a, like a like a very rattly snare drum that echoes. Yeah. So it's that kind of like ambient stuff mm-hmm. going on. Um. Also, this is one kind of something I said before, um, where she's not really going at the rhythm of the song, and it seems sometimes like she's gonna like totally lose it and and not finish the line in time, but she does. Right. Or she yeah. kind of does just like defers it, but finishes two lines in the right time, kind of thing. And it's yeah part of that like slowness, similar to the lethargic feeling of the uh, White Stains version. Mm-hmm. But this is much slower and sleepier. Yeah. We get, uh, like, eventually we get guitar coming in. And again, it's very soft, kind of plays. It plays a bit that will start in the right side of your speakers and then right. gets echoed in the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a, a low, like, loud horn that kind of starts to drone. Now, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Maybe that's not a horn. Maybe that's something more stringed. Yeah, it's not, like I think we're talking about the same thing. It's, yeah, like I, it kind of sounded cello-y to me, like really low or like a low like bass with a bow. Like it's a sounds yeah. like a bowed string. That's what it sounds like. Sometimes when my brain can't process a sound, it's, it's like, like it's probably fucking brass. Horn. Yeah, it's brass, baby. Kind of yeah, some, you're some right. kind that's of like a fucked cello. up tuba that's the size of a room. Makes really <laughs> low sounds. Um, yeah, so it's got that drone going on, and it's all. Like techniques we've seen in songs that are trying to do like ambient stuff before, where you sort of like build up that like background cacophony, and yeah. then that's like the tension of the song that that you use while the vocals are kind of just yeah like lethargic and and whispery. Mm-hmm. And we sort of build to a, a climax at about the the last quarter of the song, the last minutes. So you get three minutes in. 
everything starts to get a little more consistent. There's the guitars a bit louder. We start to get a harmony on the vocals. There's another track. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it builds as it were to just like a final fade out. Yeah, but stays fairly low. And that that um, that like tense noise kind of in the background cacophony sound is still there. It's sort of mm-hmm. like like I have a, a what is it called El Capistan uh, digital tape echo pedal um, right. that has a setting that is. It's kind of a like loop pedal, but the way you set it up, you record like a few seconds and then it can loop it, but it also fades slowly. The idea being like it's on a tape that is losing the data. So like it slowly turns into like kind of detunes and then just turns into like this background like rumble sort of, but like. I'm sure it eventually goes away entirely, but it takes a really long time to like disappear. Mm. So like as you keep playing, it'll keep like listening, like recording and looping the tape and recording and then playing back over top. So you just get more and more layers and then the previous layers to fade away. And it kind of has this effect too, where like you just get that background sound. It's kind of right. the, the ghost of the previous sounds you made. Okay. Yeah, I can I can see that vibe coming from this. Yeah, so overall we have what this all accounts to is like an atmospheric, spooky version of Nib. Yeah, that's not quite epic trailer music, but could still be used as a slow trailer music. Yeah. Because that stuff doesn't always get gunshots. That's right. Sometimes you stay low the whole time. Low, 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 low. When people ask me to list my top four David Bowie albums, <laughs> all low, all the time. It's all low, baby, all the time. Um, with that, we're gonna get into our final verdicts. We got three categories today: best version, worst version, and the version most likely to actually be sung by Lucifer. Alex, what's the worst version of this, and why? Oh, the worst version. Hmm. It's almost cheating. I'm gonna say Crocus. Crocus is the worst version, not because it's bad, but because like if you're gonna listen to the song, don't listen to the Crocus version. That's not what it's for. This for yeah. introducing an album. It's not for listening to NIB. So everything about it is like fine. They're I'm I don't know how the band is. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just there's nothing there for you probably. Yeah, it's you don't get what Nib is in that song. You don't yeah. get any trace of a love song. You don't get any trace of Satanism or like any trace Lucifer in there. So what are we getting? It's just like a pretty good blues riff. Yeah. And then Fuck honestly, it. then they do the chorus part and like, why? Yeah. That's less interesting, especially with the lyrics. Yeah, it is an odd choice to use that song as a one minute intro yeah. to anything. Cool riff, though. Cool riff, though. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of these versions are actually very good. And like even even the Crocus one isn't bad, but it's not it's not NIB. It's yeah. it's some of NIB. It's a sampler of NIB. If you want to listen to the Crocus version, instead just go to the iTunes page for the original song and play the little sample it'll let you listen to it. It's pretty much yeah, the same. Yeah, take up the same amount of time. Ish. Yeah, and at least then you're getting the real McCoy, as the oh, kids man. say. Oh, man. 
Do people still buy Kids music on iTunes? Kids are obsessed with having the real McCoy. Is there? Does iTunes even exist anymore? Um, I think they're trying to phase it out because they don't want to sell just... you music. They want to, they want to rent you music. Right from through Apple Music. So yeah. iTunes Store, as of now, still exists in the Apple Music app. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still around, but um, yeah, they, I'm they don't looking push at it. it now. So they like. They don't want you to buy on the iTunes store. They want you to buy Apple Music. Right. It's all about subscriptions. It's all about subs. That's right, baby. I have $6.69 on the iTunes store from nice. a previous gift card that I never spent. Every once in a while, I'll buy something on there. There you go. Yeah, I haven't bought something on the Apple store since... I don't know when. A long, long time. A long, long time ago. I feel like I bought something not too long ago. But it's, uh, it was apps for a while. I was just mm. using it for apps, but I don't have anything to play Apple apps on right now, so. App apps. No need. How am don't I going to play Infinity it. Blade 1, 2, and 3? You can't. No, I'm pretty sure. No, it's tough. It's tough. I don't even know if you can still download the first one. You can't. Because they had a whole thing where like a bunch of apps stopped working because they were 32-bit or something like that. I don't know. It was something like that. Yeah, well, because now or, MacBooks run on only exclusively 64-bit. Right, sorry, that happened, but what I'm thinking of is they updated, I don't remember which iOS it was, but there was an iOS that they updated uh, for, for uh, like, iPhones, iPods, iPod Touches, and after that, they were, like, basically said any apps that want to still be used have to be updated. So anything that's not updated just can't be used anymore on anything after... I'm going to say 10, but I don't remember what number it was. Um, something like that. So that's why, like, you can't get Ghost Trick on a new iPhone. It's so upsetting. So what's dude. the point of owning an iPhone? Yeah, if you can't play, you can't Ghost, play Trick, Ghost Trick. Fuck it. Not worth it. Not worth it. Alex, so I agree the worst version is Crocus. <laughs> Let's talk about the best version. What is the best version? Um, hmm. 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 I almost said the wrong one because I got the names mixed up. It's probably the acid drinkers. Like, realistically, I'm looking at the other ones. Did a decent job. Like, I I feel like I have trouble judging the Blood Coven version because it seems fine. Um, But... I'm not. I'm not a big metal. It just guy. seems like a straight genre cover yeah. rather than any interesting. Yeah, not interesting not bad. Thrown in. Not bad, but fine. Uh, the other yeah. ones are at least interesting. Really, like Hillary. Hillary. Sorry, it's the name's cut off here, and I'm trying to remember. Hillary Woods. Woods. I'm like, whoa. Um, Hillary Woods and and like White Stains. White Stains was kind of interesting too. They both have their own different vibe. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, but the like really laid back vibe of the acid drinkers version pl- was cool to me. Plus, it's like a lot shorter. They trimmed a lot of the kind of fat. Not that the original was super fatty, but they just cut out that repetition and uh, seemed like they're having a good time with it. So, way to go! Yeah, you might be right, Alex. It's uh like I I didn't think white stains was very interesting, but it does, and I think Hillary Woods also has this problem. Is both their versions kind of drone a bit because there's almost a lack of energy in them, right? And they don't cut it short at all, so it, it's that for longer. Yeah, so it goes on, and then Acid Drinkers is the one I'm gonna remember, regardless of anything Definitely. else. And if I if I tell somebody about a, a cover of NIB, it's gonna be Acid Drinkers. That's like, exactly then, what I was thinking. They throw in the sample from Luca, <laughs> the song by Suzanne yeah, Vega. Just cause. 
Yeah, I, and I, you're right. They did have fun with it. Uh, they made their own gross little ambient burp background. Yeah, everyone had like ambient sounds, but this was just like burps. <laughs> As yeah, and it's Great. interesting to see it as a product of the mid '90s with yeah. those those drums in there. Yeah, and really feels like, like you like you were talking about the punk influence, kind of got that like pop punk irreverence. Yeah, in like this metal song, and I fuck with that. You yeah. know, I love pop punk irreverence. I do, I do. I didn't realize yeah, I, I did that. until fairly recently, but I do. <laughs> so there you go. That's the best track, Alex. If one of these was actually to be sung by Lucifer, which one would it be and why? Lucifer. Sung, sang. Sung, sang. Song. Sang is blood. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to say... I I think it's the, the White Stains. They got this real like churchy vibe going on. Oh, yeah. And I just feel like that church organ would, would support... Would support Lucifer the best. That's a that's a solid choice, Alex. Yeah. I'm gonna say it's probably uh, Crocus, because <laughs> the, the devil, you know, he he's been beat out at a fiddle competition, and now he's like, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna just gonna rock out, and if you show up to me, I'm just gonna hit you with this one minute instrumental piece. See how you feel. Because we know the devil is all about just getting in and out. Hell yeah, he is. You know, you know the devil hits it and quits it. Perhaps this. I mean, that's not what he's saying in this song, but we're pretty sure he's lying. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's full of shit. So, seems like the kind of seems like a liar. He does. He does have the qualities of a liar. So those are our final verdicts. If you want to hit us up with a similar opinion, different opinion, talk to us about a version of the song we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy, hashtag CoverMePod, or you can send us an email at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, whatever the fuck you like. We listen to people who suggest things to us. We've had two guests tell us to do songs, and we've done them both. We've done them both. And one In of the them was Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. I mean, I I'm glad we did that though, because now I don't like now I know I don't like the song that much, but like I also know it well enough to like enjoy it if it does come on. Exactly, it's it's established a relationship with it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so make sure to subscribe to us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends' friends about us. Tell just some strangers. There's in Vancouver. Some some dude has just uh he's graffitied in several places. The film Dominion changed my life. Now the film Dominion is a documentary about agriculture and like the abuse of animals. So if if you and your hometown or city would like to do a similar product uh, <laughs> project where you just graffiti the podcast Cover Me Changed My Life <laughs> in just random places, uh, we we throw you a thumbs up. I would th- I would thumb that up. Thumb it the fuck up. Now, for our bonus segment in which I ask Alex a question inspired by something. Today, it's been inspired by the title of this song. Alex, you're being forced to eat a bag of licorice. And if you don't eat the whole bag in one sitting, you're going to get murdered. Do you choose Twizzlers or Nibs? Sorry, did you specify black licorice or did you just say licorice? Just licorice, baby. Um... Jeez. 
you think it would be black licorice because it's a black Sabbath? Yeah, I was reading the thing, and then, and I know, I mean, NIB with the with Nativity in Black was the like theorized name. So when you said licorice, I was thinking about because you said it was inspired by the name, and I was like black. And then you said licorice, and I kind of melded them together in my mind. Um, but I actually do like black licorice, but that's beside the point. Do I like nibs? Yes, I do like nibs. They're small. Um, they're sugary. Yeah, do you prefer them to Twizzlers is really the heart of this question. <laughs> Sorry, is this a whole whole ass bag? Like a like a family Like a whole bag. bag. Like a like the movie bag. Like you went in the movie theater and they'd have those big fat yeah, family packs. Yeah. Now, I like nibs, but they are kind of denser. Mm-hmm. So they get stuck in your teeth. So I think it would be a lot more difficult to eat a whole ass bag of nibs. So I'm assuming, I think I would have to go with Twizzlers. Yeah? Yes. Although I like them both. Yeah, and the fact is they're both technically, they're made by the guys who make Twizzlers. It's Twizzlers they're, nibs. They're the same. Are you are you a nib guy? Are you a... I think I might be a nib guy. I do. I think they're heartier, like you've suggested. Not having that hole in the middle makes them better. I think it's true. <laughs> they got that dance, that density. Yeah, that so you can kind of chew on a piece for a destiny. while. And you're like, oh, this is this is what I look for in a nib. They're your density. I'm just working on the joke. I'm working. Hey, hey. that's a that's a good one. We that's can actually just that. a reference. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's our yep. opinions on the, the hot Twizzler versus Nib debate. If you want to, is that big in, right now? Is that is that tweeting? No, is that that's trending? not tweeting at all. Oh, but if you want to tweet about it, hashtag Twiznib or Twiznibbler and tell us your opinion. Twiznibbler. So that's the end of our show. And as we always say on Cover Me, I will give you those things you thought unreal. Cover Me. Cover me, cover me, I'll bear my seal. (laughs)